Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, March 27th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're entering the final week of the college basketball season, and that means the final four teams are known. Well, I don't know how well known they are, but Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, and Connecticut have won their way to Houston for Saturday's national semifinals. And that means Kansas State isn't there. The Wildcats fell in a heartbreaker to Florida Atlantic in the East Regional Final on Saturday night in New York. Marquise Noel was outstanding once again for K-State, this time with 30 points and 12 assists. But the Wildcats couldn't come up with enough big plays toward the end and fell by three. We'll hear from K-State coach Jerome Tang, Noel, and other players from their postgame press conference later in the show. I thought they handled the disappointment with dignity and class. But first, you're going to get a little more of me. Uh, I'm going to give you my thoughts on what transpired over the weekend, starting with San Diego State's one-point victory over Creighton in the South Regional. So let's get started. About that wild finish in Louisville at the South Regional Championship game, it was tied at 56, and San Diego State was inbounding the ball from the side on its half of the floor with 6.7 seconds remaining, plenty of time to get off a shot. And the Aztecs, Darian Trammell, did just that from about a step inside the free throw strike. Here's the call from the broadcast. Looking for the win. Butler, get it in. A rope, hands it to Trammell. Three seconds, two seconds. Trammell drives. He's fouled. Darian Trammell will go to the free throw line. all about getting the turn towards the basket. Played it perfectly from a timing perspective. Let's see if there's a hit. Left arm is down low. He didn't hit him with the right arm. The left arm might be on the hip. Let's take another look. See that left hand on the hip? I'm a big believer, Ian, in that if the offensive guy makes a play at the end of the game and he's fouled, you have to call it. Now, some people say this may not be much of a foul. Does it affect the offensive guy's motion to the basket and getting a shot off? And you're pushed a little bit, it throws your timing off. So clearly there was time left on the clock. Gene Steratore back in New York watching along with us. Just take us through the thought process of the officials right now, Gene. Yeah, in these situations, what they'll do is review back and look when the contact was initiated. As Jimmy said, I think he's right. It's the left hand on the hip. So really, when that contact basically starts to occur right about there, which a restriction or a foul has been decided upon, that's when they'll go back. My early look on that looks to be about 1.2 seconds on it. That's right. A foul on Creighton's Ryan Nebhart. My take, was it a foul? Yes. Should it have been called? No. Here's my reasoning. This was a physical game throughout. The officials had let two very good, and in San Diego State's case, great defensive teams play. The foul on Nemhart, I don't think, would have been called earlier in the game. Also, if no fouls called on the play, I don't think there'd have been much of a protest. And if there isn't a call there, the game goes into overtime, no guarantee of a Creighton victory. I love the San Diego State team. I don't think I've seen a better defensive team in the tournament, and I'm really happy for Aztecs coach Brian Dutcher, who's been part of the program for three decades. And if you think about it, San Diego State going to the Final Four has to rank up there with some of the great sports moments in San Diego's history. 
I just didn't like the call at the end. In the Midwest, I thought going into the Miami-Texas game, I gave the Longhorns a slight edge based on what I believed was a better defense. And for 30 minutes, I was looking good. The Hurricanes scored 35 points, though, in the last 10 minutes and ran past Texas. Miami is so much fun to watch. Their backcourt of Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong stacks up with any in the country. They'll be a tough opponent for UConn in the semifinals. And Kansas City showed up for the games. More than 17,000 in T-Mobile Center for the semifinals on Friday and then the championship game on Sunday without a team within 500 miles of Kansas City participating. Well done by my city. Kansas City doesn't have another regional schedule through 2026, but it's bidding for future events now, and I suspect will continue to be part of the NCAA's rotation for Sweet 16 or first and second round games in the future. My preference, I like the first weekend of the tournament, those first and second round games. Just more teams, um, eight teams instead of four, but Kansas City's proven to be a pretty pretty much a regular now in the regional final rotation. We'll see what happens. Kansas City will bid for both of them. And finally, how good has UConn looked in this tournament? The Huskies blew out Gonzaga for the West Regional title after crushing Arkansas in the semifinal. They're now the heavy favorite to win it all, which would be the program's fifth NCAA championship since 1999 under three different coaches. That would be amazing. So what a Final Four. If you add up the seeds, it's the second highest total since seeds became part of the bracket in 1979. It's the first time a Final Four will be played without a top three seed involved. UConn, a number four seed, is the highest one remaining. It's the first time since 1970 that three programs will make their Final Four debut. In 1970, those teams were Jacksonville, New Mexico State, and St. Bonaventure, None of those schools have been back to a Final Four. You know, last year was a Blue Blood Final Four with Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, and Villanova. This year, Connecticut, with its four national titles, that's as many as Kansas, can be considered part of the sport's upper echelon. As for the others, it's refreshing to see new faces at the Final Four, but I was really hoping one of those new faces would have been Kansas State, which was bidding to play in the Final Four for the first time since 1964. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will hear from the Wildcats. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We are back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast, and now we are going to hear from Kansas State. 
After the crushing loss to Florida Atlantic, Coach Jerome Tang and Marquise Noel and Naquan Tomlin met the media. You'll hear about 15 minutes of questions from reporters and their responses. Uh, Good stuff from the Wildcats who took their fans and fans of college basketball on a fun ride these past two weeks. Noel, by the way, was named the most outstanding player of the East Regional. That's happened only a handful of times that a player from a losing team gets that honor. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, first of all, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, in, in the midst of uh, probably one of the toughest things that, you know, experience with these guys, um, uh, if we can't be grateful in these times, then all the love and joy that we talk about is, is fraud, and we're not frauds. And so um, I want to give um, FAU and Coach... Uh, a lot of credit. They did a great job. Um, they were tough. They were together. They made big shots. Um, you know, you, you have to. They they won the game. Okay, they won the game. And so, um, this hurts right now. Uh, but I wouldn't trade these guys for ten players, ten others, or twenty others. I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. And so, so so very thankful for the the fun and the ride that we've had this year. We have senior guard Marquise Noel. We have junior forward Naquan Tomlin. We'll take questions for either of them. Once again, raise your hand. We'll get a microphone over, and we'll just give your name and affiliation before asking your question of either of the student athletes up here in the front row on the right side on the aisle. Hugh Scott Fritchin, K-State Athletics. Marquise, uh, coach was just talking about being grateful. I'm just curious how grateful you are for this ride that you were on. Um, I'm very grateful, um, and you know I had a tremendous year with my teammates and my coaching staff. Um, had a lot of fun. Um, just looking at looking back at how hard we worked um, to get to this point. Um, man, I'm just thankful for the journey. I'm thankful for my teammates and everybody behind the scenes. I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. We'll stay on the other side of the aisle. It's just uh, same row. For Marquise and Naquan, I wonder if you can just describe what you were, how the play was unfolding on the last sequence, and that feeling when when you heard the buzzer and, and you just knew you weren't going to be able to get get the shot. So Marquise first, and then Naquan. Um, you know, I was trying to get Ish a shot. Um, coach wanted you know Ish to set the screen, and I waved it off because I felt like you know on the right side of the court that's where Ish hits most of his shots. Um, and they closed out hard to him, um, and he didn't get off a shot. I mean, when that final buzzer, you know, hit, you know, it was a little, it was, a, it was a little tough um, because you know I love these guys so much that I want to continue to keep playing, you know, for the rest of my life with them. I mean, you know, just uh, it, it was tough, but you know, I'm truly honored, I'm truly blessed, um, and grateful to have you know a family. You know. Naquan. <clears throat> Uh, I'm thankful as well. You know, uh, we had a hell of a season. Uh, you know, I'm just glad that we made it this far, even though this is not what we, you know, wanted to, what we wanted to stop at. But I'm just grateful, you know, that I'm here with my teammates. On the aisle toward the back there on the right side. Ian O'Connor, New York Post. Marquise, just as a New Yorker who never got a chance to play in this building in the past, what does it mean to you to finish with two dominant performances in the Garden? Um, I'm just, you know, I'm happy and grateful that I got the opportunity to play in Madison Square. 
Um, I always dreamt of something like this, um, just playing here, being here, you know, uh, playing my heart out. You know, I feel like I gave my heart and soul to this game for these past couple games um, because I wanted to see these guys, you know, win and smile and know what the standard is for winning. Um, we have a, a younger group of guys that we have in that locker room, and the standard is hard to win. I mean, winning isn't easy. Um, and to see that, you know, we, we made a deep tournament run uh, with that with that uh, young core group. Um, I'm just excited to see, you know, where they'll come um, years ahead. But, you know, it's just a blessing, man. Um, I gave my heart and soul to this university, to this team. Um, I, I maximized everything I had, you know, inside of me to, to see these guys happy. We'll come back up front on the other side, Vahe. Marquise, when you hit that three, you banked it in to make it 63-57. Did you have some sense like, okay, things are just going to fall for us? I mean, obviously, it wasn't like you thought that was it. I don't mean that. But did you have some sense like, you know, we're rolling the way we want to roll into the last eight, nine minutes? Yeah, I feel like uh, we, we, that shot, you know, gave us a little momentum. But I don't feel like we got, you know, the defensive stops that we really needed. I don't feel like we got key rebounds that we really needed. And give a lot of credit to FAU for getting every single 50-50 ball. I mean, there there was guys diving on the floor, jumping out of bounds, um, crashing on a on a free throw. You know, so you know, give a lot of credit to them. Uh, I'm sure they're happy, um, and I wish them much success. We'll do two more for the student athletes. We'll start here on the end. Go ahead. Hey guys, sorry things didn't go your way tonight. Jeff Magliacchetti with SI.com, All Knicks. Uh, when a guy like Keontae Johnson has to sit out the final 12 minutes of the half. It usually could spell doom for a team, but you guys kept things very manageable to a four or six-point deficit by the end of the half. So from a player's perspective, what worked for you guys during that period and what allowed you to keep pace with the Owls during that time? Start with Naquan and then we'll go to Marquise. Uh, I feel like, you know, we tried to, you know, uh, stay together and, you know, just try to keep uh, trying, to, trying to get stops and, for me, trying to make the right plays and, uh, you know, just trying to just really just trying to stay together, you know, and stay positive. Marquise? Uh, it's always tough when, you know, your, your leading scorer is out um, with, with foul trouble. Um, but like Naquan said, we try to stay together. Uh, we try to get easy buckets. Um, and, you know, I feel like in the first half, we wasn't playing our game how we usually play our game. Um, and I kind of think that's where they got out in transition and got some easy buckets. Uh, because we we was a little flustered on the on the uh, offensive end, but you know they got every fifty fifty ball. It didn't come down to anything else, but you know them playing harder, them wanting wanting it more. Um, so you gotta give a lot of credit to them. Go to the other side of the room, uh, standing toward the end of the aisle. Go ahead, Tom Marion with AP Radio for the players. Can you express the disappointment of coming so close to the Final Four but not getting there? Start with Naquan and then Marquise. We can't express it. I mean, you know, it's a tough feeling. Um, I mean, you know, our guys gave gave it all. You know, our coaching staff came up with a tremendous game plan. Um, we fell short. I mean, it happens in basketball. I mean, you know, these guys are going to work hard this offseason, and I'm pretty sure they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder next year. So, But we couldn't explain it. Okay. Marquise, Naquan, thank you. Thanks. Appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations on a great season. 
Uh, it'll be 9:19 that the locker room will close. We have questions for Coach Tang. Please raise your hand. We will get the microphone to you. We'll start on the aisle in the back row on the right side. Uh, Coach Zach Deloach with the Manhattan Mercury. Uh, did did you feel like uh, FAU did anything specific to kind of neutralize Keontae, or was it just luck of the draw with those fouls? <laughs> um, Keontae played 18 minutes, and that's why he was neutralized. And then uh, what, uh, what was your plan for, for dealing with Vlad Golden and especially um, uh, offense, or limiting their offensive rebounds and second chance points? You know, um, re rebounding has been an issue for us all year, and uh, we tried to make it tough for him. We tried to front him. They did a great job of um, lobbing it over to him. And then, so then we played behind. He did a good job of, of scoring some buckets. I, I, th I thought, I didn't think he was the, the difference. I didn't think he could score 20. And so I wasn't concerned with it. I was con some more concerned with the other guys. And, um, and so, but the other guys delivered too. Other side of the aisle, two rows up, go ahead. Zach Brazil in New York Post. What, what makes them tough? You know, they don't really have a, a so-called star. Um, but what is it about them that's tough to deal with? Well, you know, when you, when you draw up plays with X's and O's, right, on some teams, uh, all the O's don't have to be guarded. So you can, like, put your X's in the right spot to, to make it hard for the team to score on offense. Every one of his O's can score the ball. And that's what makes it hard to guard. We'll stay on and this it's, it doesn't matter if they can score 30. They can all shoot. They can all dribble. can all pass. And that, that, that puts your defense in a bind. Stay on the aisle up here in front. Jerome, from what you said to us, you thought it was pretty important to have perspective on the, the meaning of the season in this game. How, how did you get that across to the players in the locker room? Did you, did you try to focus on that right away or, or on, on the feeling of the loss and, and the season ending? How did you try to treat that? Yeah, you know, um, when this happens, this is the third time I've lost in the Elite Eight. And you can sit around and mope and cry about it, or you can really uh, just think about the love and the joy that you've had uh, through the season. And, you know, like, like winners keep their heads up. They don't drop their heads. And so our guys were not going to walk off the floor with their heads down. And then uh, we're going to approach, like, like tough things are going to happen in our life, and we don't get to wallow in it. Okay, we got to keep moving forward. And, and this is more of a lesson for them of becoming men than it is about basketball. Uh, we'll stay on this side, third row, uh, fourth row on the end. Go ahead. Coach, thank you. Uh, Jeff Magliccetti, SI.com, all Knicks. Um, you know, this was a team of transfers built by so many uh, built by so many assets from the transfer portal, including yourself from Baylor, as a matter of fact. So what was the key to creating such a cohesive, strong unit with, through so many different backgrounds? And, and, when, and when you look at – and how did this team kind of emulate some of, you, some of the teams, some of the winning teams you had over at Baylor? Uh, that, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say that, like, what we looked for was winners. And uh, we, had, we wanted to find guys who had won in their past, whether it's high school state championships or in college. Because whenever anybody wins the last game, at some point in time to win the last game of the year, you've got to go through some adversity. And you're going to be down in a game, in a huddle, and you, gotta, and you know what it takes to, to come back and win that game. And so having a group of guys, I think I have more than eight state championships on the team from, from high school players. And then college guys who have won, uh, you know, 
in the NCAA. I wasn't just looking for talent. I was looking for, for Dean. And, and all these dudes were, they're incredible human beings, right? And they learned each other's stories. And because they learned each other's stories, they could empathize with them. They could, you know, understand. And, and when things didn't go well, they were there for each other. And so, and, and Marquise, Noel really spearheaded the whole thing in building the team chemistry by, you know, having bowling nights and movie nights and all the different things that they did uh, together uh, to build the chemistry that we needed. We'll go one row back. Uh, Roger. Roger Rubin from New York <clears throat> Newsday. Coach, in the changing landscape of college basketball, it seems like many of the strongest teams have a big component of players who have transferred in, yours included. FAU isn't really like that. The nucleus of their team is like guys who have been playing together for three years. Do you believe that there is still a place in the upper echelons of college basketball for teams that exist like that? I definitely do. My good friend Paul Mills, who just took the Wichita State job, was at Oral Roberts, and his team won 30 games this year with guys who stayed. you got to have the right environment. When we was at Baylor, um, the national average in college was 43%. I think it's higher than that now. At Baylor, our, our, our average was 16%. And the reason uh, it was so low is because, one, we told the truth in recruiting, and two, um, we loved the guys when they were on campus, right? And uh, we showed them that we cared about what was important to them and then how what was important to them, if they were willing to sacrifice a little bit, it would uh, allow them, us to achieve our goal as a team and them as individuals achieve their goals. I think you see that with Marquise Noel this year and Keontae Johnson. Okay, um, I think Keese is the best point guard in America should win Naismith. I think uh, Keontae, when he's allowed to play more than 18 minutes, is the best uh, wing in the country and should win the Naismith. Okay, but uh, what, what uh, Coach May Dusty's doing is being able to get guys to redshirt and then come along and, and see how they're going to fit in and he's telling them their plan it definitely and I, I hope to do that too like I got a group of guys that we redshirted this year and so next year will be their second year in the program and then the third year in the program they're going to be able to help us win my, my, my job next year is to make sure in the second year of the program that I help them see the big picture and that they're willing to come back and, and be there in the third year That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC production team of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Today's morning sports edition was 39 pages full of the NCAA men's and women's tournaments, the big weekend in golf, baseball's spring training winding down and getting ready for opening day this week, news from the NBA and NHL, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.